Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Look, you're now rocking with the realest. Got it poppin' from start to finish We talk sports and business At the intersection where fans and Shannon can cross paths This is the Sports and Podcast Yeah Welcome to the Sports and Podcast I'm your host, Shannon Cross Joined by the coach, Lenny Wilkins today Coach, welcome to the show Thank you very much, Shannon It is a pleasure to have you here today Of course, you need no introduction But I've got to say your resume definitely speaks for itself. Uh, nine-time All-Star and All-Star MVP, two-time Olympic gold medal winner, you know, inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame three times as a player, coach, and member of the Dream Team. I mean, should I go on or what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as one of the NBA's 50 greatest players, you've seen a lot in your time in the league. And... As of late, you know, we have the we're coming off of the 2020 bubble season, the 2021 truncated season now with 72 games. You know, what do you make of this different season that we're in now? Well, it's a little bit different. Uh, You know, I wasn't too sure they were going to be able to come out of the bubble. But uh, the NBA, they took precautions. uh, They tried to make sure that everybody's safe. Uh, you give a lot of credit to the players. They're very much aware of what the circumstances are around them. And they've abided by uh, what the rules and regulations were going to be. And I think that really made a difference in allowing them to get back to the game. Uh, certainly, it's different not having fans in the stands. Uh, I think that's huge. But uh, I think that the players, being the professionals that they are, went out and played as well as they could play. Uh, They uh, wanted to entertain the fans. They wanted to get back to as much normality as they could. Uh, There's only so much when you don't have fans in the stands, but uh, I give the players a lot of credit. And and there's a lot of things going on in our lives right now. You know, uh, the the, the COVID uh, situation that we have to deal with, uh, the Black Lives Matter, Uh, situation that we had in a lot of cities. And certainly our young people are very much aware of what's going on around them. And they want to be heard. They want people to understand that we have to deal with all these situations, no matter what's going on. uh, We're a part of the world and we need to let them know that uh, we understand, we hear, we got to communicate. That's important. You know, because change doesn't come about unless we're communicating with one another, talking about situations, you know, recognizing that this is right, that's right, or it isn't right. And, and how do we go about dealing with these situations? So there's a lot on the plate and that I admire the young people today because I think they have to speak up. I think they have to be involved and they have to let people know that, hey, I, I'm here. I Absolutely. This, Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Have you and, ever and, seen anything like this so disruptive to the league? Uh, never, never. You know, I mean, we had to deal with situations when I first came in the NBA. Uh, they were a lot of it was things were a little bit different. And there was a lot of unspoken stuff that went on. Totally. Uh, you know, I mean, there were uh, there were studies uh, when I went to St. Louis as a rookie. 
I mean, you couldn't eat in the restaurants downtown. So, you know, mm. that was something we had to deal with. Uh, moving into a neighborhood, you know, for sale signs going up. There were all kinds of things that we had to deal with. And also address the situation in the NBA. Uh, sort of an unwritten rule. No one talked about it. But uh, you never saw more than two minorities on a team. Uh, mm. The only team that had more than two was the Boston Celtics. Okay. Right. And, uh, and they were the only ones. Uh, but uh, all the other places, uh, they didn't say anything, but uh, there weren't. It just wasn't. And, uh, but things change. And we had to bring about that change. I mean, we had, uh, we, our players association got stronger and we uh, brought about collective bargaining because we had meetings with the owners to talk about what needed to be changed, what we needed. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that when, when I first came in the NBA, uh, we didn't have a pension plan and mm. we had to deal with that. And uh, we had to deal with getting uh, certified trainers to deal with the injuries that the players were facing and having to recover from. So there was a lot of things that we brought about, the players brought about. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm proud to see how the young people today have stepped up, have let their feelings be known, and, and that we need to deal with these situations and see how do we go about making it better. You touched on change a little bit. And speaking of that, modern NBA, you've got higher scoring games now. You've got a lot of teams averaging over 100 points a game. You have superstars creating super teams. What do you make of all this? You know, do you think it hurts the league? Well, uh, you know, it, that will be told at the box office. And, <laughs> and it's hard to judge that now with the COVID virus, you know. True, true. But uh, certainly, uh, I think we have great talent in the league. Uh, I, you know, uh, and uh, selfishly, I might say this, that I don't think they know the game, all of them, as oh. well as well as the guys uh, in my era. Okay. But, but that doesn't mean that all of them don't, because we got some young players who are, who are very smart and understand the game. And, and I'll give you some names, you know. Okay. Uh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul is one of the smartest young, uh, you know, uh, players in the league. Oh, yeah. Uh, A LeBron floor James. general. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's no, no question about it. Uh, LeBron James, you know, yep. he understands the game and how it should be played. And he can play both ends of the floor. So we have some talent and they are learning. Uh, we have some pretty good coaches, you know, in the league. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, when the Clippers let Doc Rivers go, uh, for whatever reason, I, I wasn't all for that. I think Doc is one of the smarter coaches in the league. I think he's done a great job in developing and helping his young players. So, you know, uh, but if you get into the coaching profession, you know, sooner or later, uh, uh, it, time comes when the franchise might want to make a change. They might feel that they need to do this to change things. That's 
a possibility that can happen and it can happen to anyone. Now, what do you think is the biggest difference between besides scoring? What's the biggest difference between the modern day NBA and your day? Well, uh, we we worked on defense a lot and we played both ends of the floor. We, we played good okay. defense. We knew how to cover for one another and we didn't let uh, guys just walk to the basket. Uh, <laughs> that's something <laughs> that's something that you never saw back then. Uh, and, and, and of course, uh, some of the players, uh, they would you would know it when you went to the basket because uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> they were able to put a hand on you or a forearm on your hip or whatever. Yeah, you felt uh, it. You, yeah, you, you, you can't do that today. <laughs> you touched on some of the guys that you like, like Chris Paul and LeBron. But is there a guard in today's NBA that kind of reminds you of yourself as a player? Well, uh, I, I I always say uh, Chris Paul does because okay. he can score. He can score. He can get to the middle. He can find his teammates. Uh, yeah. He always puts them in position to be able to score. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, uh, I, that, that's the guy that I think uh, reminds me mostly of what I was able to do and did when I was a player. Now, what do you think about comparisons between you and Steph Curry? Oh, well, you know, uh, Steph's a much better shooter than I was. I mean, okay. I could score. I could score. I mean, uh, there was no question about it, but, uh, you know, Steph, uh, you know, he, I never stopped that, uh, the half court line and look, for a <laughs> shot. you know, uh, that, that's not the way the game was played then. See? Okay. So, so, so they're doing things that they're used to doing and that they've worked on their practice and they've been able to do, but, uh, but Steph certainly can pass the ball. He can find his teammates, oh, you yeah. know, he makes them effective. And, that, and that's what I wanted to do every time I stepped on the court is that I knew I could help my teammates be better. And Steph does that and he does it very well. But LeBron can do that as well. Chris Paul can do that as well. Uh, they're exceptional. Now, you were drafted in the 1960 draft, and that just so happened to be the same draft that the Jerry West, also known as the logo, was drafted in. Uh, at the time... Was there any chatter about him becoming the logo or what, what, what were people saying back then? Well, uh, there was no chatter about it. Uh, I think that if you took uh, pictures from back then, it, it could have been one of five or six guys, hmm. that logo image and not just Jerry West. There were a lot of guys, sure. but we had some, but, but, the 1960 draft was an excellent draft. Daryl Emhoff came out of that draft. Uh, Oscar Robinson came out of that draft. Jerry West. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we had some outstanding players that came into this league and, you know, had an impact on it. So uh, it was a good draft. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, uh, I played with Jerry West and he and I, uh, and uh, played in the East-West College All-Star Game, which okay. we played, and, and we were on the East, and uh, Oscar and Emhoff were on the West. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and Jerry, yeah, and Jerry and I uh, got the co-MVP award of that game. 
So, you know, it was, uh, it was a fun time. Uh, I, I was happy that all of us made the MBA, had an act on the MBA and, uh, you know, things progressed. So, uh, but, uh, they were talking about, uh, possibly making, uh, the logo Kobe Bryant. Uh, I think Kobe Bryant was an incredible player and, uh, just an awful tragedy, uh, amongst our own. And, uh, certainly I think they need that they have recognized him, his family, and he deserves it. So coach, you, you spent 15 years in the league as a player and then more than 30 as a coach. You were also one of the first to become a player coach in the league. So just talk about how you even ended up in that position. Uh, one of the NBA league meetings, uh, they had fired the coach in Seattle. The general manager had fired him and they asked me to come in. And I came into the office and met with the general manager and they talked me to me about being a player coach. And I told him he had to be crazy, you know, and he said, <laughs> no, no, you run the show anyway. Uh, we think that you could do a good job. And we were getting ready to go to training camp. And so it would be difficult to bring someone in that didn't know the team. So I said, okay, I'll try it. And uh, I took over as coach, talked to the players, set up, and I knew how to run training camp. I've run practices before okay. uh, with other teams. So I, I, I knew basically, you know, how to do it. And, and I uh, wasn't worried about it because I knew the game and I knew my teammates. I knew what their capabilities were. I knew how to make them effective on the floor. So I set it up and we went about it. And the players were very cooperative. Uh, I was going to say, how did your how did your teammates react to that? <laughs> well, there, there, one of the guys who was on the team was a guy named Thomas Sherry. Okay. And he was he was around my age and I uh, made him my assistant. And I told him what to look for when I was in the, in the game and when I should come out. You know, I, mean, I knew in that first quarter I should get a certain amount of rest and if I got in foul trouble, they'd take me out of the game so that uh, it wouldn't hamper us on the floor, things like that. And, and so, you know, every day I knew how to set up a practice, knew how to prepare the team, get them ready. And I was very fortunate. I had some success with it. And it, all it did was whet my appetite for being a coach later on. I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like being the leader on a team, you know, in fact, you see it more so in today's NBA, you know, yeah. I think of LeBron immediately. Are there any yes. other player coaches you think are really good in the league? Well, I, I, I think uh, they're not player coaches, but LeBron without question, Chris Paul without question, you know, uh, Kyrie helps run his team. Because sure. he's the quarterback, he gets it up the court quickly, gets it to his teammates, and he knows who should have it and, and who would be effective with the ball. So, so you know, uh, gods instinctively know that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because it's something they've done all their careers. Sure. And, yeah, so 
So, you know, um, the only thing that it did was that uh, I uh, eventually retired from playing because uh, it whetted my appetite for coaching and we were getting young players and I was going to have to spend more time teaching, showing, explaining. And so I retired in 1975. I might have been able to play a few more years, but it was okay because uh, it didn't hamper or take away from what I was doing. I hear you. Now, you also served as uh, an executive in the front office for the Seattle Sonics. Can you talk about some of the latest things you're hearing, possibly rumors or anything about getting a team back to Seattle. You know, we've been trying to say, bring back the Sonics forever. <laughs> and as someone who is a native of Seattle, Washington, I know you see it over my shoulder right here. It's a little map. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't wait for Seattle to get a franchise again. Have you heard anything on the expansion front? Well, I haven't heard anything, but I do know that uh, David Stern, before he passed away, had uh, said that Seattle uh, needed to get a new building and they're redoing key arena. It'll be like new. Yes. And it, it will accommodate basketball and hockey. And that's so, right. Because they just got yeah. the Kraken. Seattle right. Kraken is coming. Yeah. 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 And the brothers who uh, brought the Kraken there. Um, I love that name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's a great name. And so I think that uh, once, uh, that happens and the arena opens, uh, basketball would soon follow, uh, would soon follow it because uh, we have great fans and we have a great history in Seattle. And I think that uh, people would support basketball very well. And certainly uh, I would love being a part of that. I don't want to coach. <laughs> I just, I would love being a, a, a part of helping to put that together because I think it would be exciting. Uh, we have a, a tremendous history of basketball here in Seattle and it would go over well. If they came back, should they bring back the Sonics moniker? Uh, I, I think it's totally up to ownership. You know, uh, certainly yeah. they, they have that right. They could if they want to. And I think the, the green and gold would be popular uh, with fans. I agree. So, uh, yeah. So I, I think you do what what's going to make us successful. What makes the team successful in it other than the talent? And, and you have to think about that. We have to, uh, uh, they have to be effective in the community. You have to get people involved. And certainly uh, the franchise would have to be involved in the community to take advantage of that. Well, I just want to, first of all, say thank you for the first and only NBA championship in Seattle, uh, 1979. I wasn't around to see it, but I, I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> well, you, you're quite welcome. And, and listen, <laughs> you got your dad's smile. Oh. He's, a, he's a great friend and we play golf together. Uh, we haven't been able to play lately, but hopefully soon. Also, you were the assistant coach of the 92 Dream Team. I've got to hear really quickly before we get out of here. Uh, what is it behind, beyond the star power, obviously, of the 1992 Dream Team? What is it that made that team such a cultural phenomenon? 
Well, first of all, you look at the players that were selected and every one of them were Hall of Famous, became Hall of Famous. But these were the top player from the various teams. And what the world didn't believe was that they could play together. And mm. that was a challenge, our challenge as coaches to them. If we think we are the world's best, then let's go out there and show the world that we are the best. And what better way to do that than to go out there and win and show that we could play together. And we did that. And I thought that the world was totally impressed with those players. They, 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 it was like traveling with a rock star band. It was <laughs> unbelievable. And wherever we went, the, the, the fans were so receptive and seeing guys like Michael, Jordan, Magic, Johnson, you know, uh, yeah. Patrick Ewing, uh, Paul Malone, John Stockton. I mean, just, I mean, we just go Icons. right, David Robinson, uh, just go right down the line. It, it was a wonderful time and nothing like it have I ever seen before. Now, speaking of never seen, were you at that NBA, the greatest game never seen that, that we keep hearing about? Of course, on the last dance, Michael Jordan talked about it, but the greatest game never seen. Were you there that day? And if so, what do you remember? Well, it, what it was is that we had had some time off and Coach Daly, uh, we used to, you know, tease about how he worried about everything. And he was afraid that the team wouldn't be ready. And we had a practice uh, and uh, we were in uh, Nice, France. We had a practice and the practice wasn't going good. You know, the guys were sort of going through the motions a little bit and coach was worried about it. So we talked to a couple of the players and, and I, I talked to Magic Johnson. And I was telling him, I said, you know, we need to get the tempo up a little bit because coach is worried. And that uh, Magic said, don't worry, I'll take care of it, coach. And he started razzing Michael. All of a sudden, Michael's intensity went up about 10 notches. <laughs> and it started to affect the rest of the players because then they started to challenge one another. And all of a sudden, what was the lackadaisical practice went to become uh, an all-out practice where players were blocking shots, rebounding, running. And now Coach Daly got worried that someone was going to get hurt. Mm. So he wanted us to tone it down. Yeah, we ended practice before someone got hurt. But it was uh, – our practices were better than most of the games because the players would challenge one another to help each other perform better. And I thought that was great. And then you went on to be in the Olympics again in 1996, but that time as the head coach. That's right. That was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it and we wanted to go out and perform as well as we did in 92. And I thought we did. I thought that every time we stepped on the court, people knew that we were there, that we were the Olympic team and we were coming for the goal. And you definitely got it times two. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. So this is where we get the real dirt. Okay. So uh, we have a segment called, and another thing, and I need to know right now, is my dad's golf game any good? Yes. Yes. It what? Is. Hold on oh, now. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't no, gas no. it. <laughs> no, he he's, Hey, listen, you know, when he doesn't try to kill the ball, he puts it right down the middle. So okay. he's a good golfer. Down the middle in the drink or down the middle of the fairway? (laughs) The middle of the fairway. Okay. I just wanted to clarify. (laughs) Because, you know, I hear the stories, but just got to verify with the source. Uh, We have fun when we go out there. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Um, Look, Coach, I definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast today. You shared a whole lot of history and a whole lot of gems. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. I appreciate that. 